0: Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 44. Thank you for being here. Let me ask you a question. When pricing your services and products, which mindset do you use most often? Hour by hour, I get paid by the hour for what I do? Or do you see yourself as an expert? I can definitely answer that question and I know which route I'm wanting to go. But That's the thing that my friend Jamie Klaus and I talk about in this episode. She's a guru when it comes to sales, pricing, and the mindset that it takes to talk to your clients and serve them well. Serve them from an expert mentality. If you've ever struggled with pricing, or maybe you don't struggle, it doesn't matter because Jamie lays down all kinds of things that you are going to want to pick up in this episode. In fact, towards the very end, She gets real. She gets really honest about why most of us offer our clients the cheapest option. Okay, I know I'm definitely guilty of that. And I don't know about you, but this episode was phenomenal for me. And I think it will be for you. Without further ado, here is my friend, Jamie Klaus. Enjoy. Jamie, I am so glad that you're here with me today. Jamie and I know each other from a mastermind. There are several of us women that get get together once a month, and we're from the Madison and Huntsville, Alabama area, and we talk about business and life and all kinds of crazy things, books that we've assigned each other to read, and at the end of each meeting, we normally have time for a hot seat or two, and so that's where we tell everybody some of our biggest problems. And a lot of them are dealing with sales, pricing, how you package your services and products. And oftentimes, oftentimes, Jamie will speak up and give some advice. And every time she does that, I am taking copious notes. I love her mindset around sales and pricing and how you talk to your customers about what it is that you do and so last month we got off of our mastermind call and i thought to myself i have got to have jamie on my podcast and she graciously agreed she's got a lot going on in her life right now but she agreed to be here and so i'm very happy to share you jamie with this audience and i'm gonna be quiet now i want you to introduce yourself and your businesses
1: Oh, Rachel, you're so sweet, and I can't thank you enough for inviting me. It's 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 an honor. I'm a big fan of you. Um, well, I started my entrepreneur journey uh, as a photographer. I still have a, a portrait studio in Huntsville. Um, we focus on uh, baby and you know kind of baby's first year and family portraits. Um, also have a boudoir. Um, business of boudoir portrait business as well um, but what separates what I do from a lot of people is that I really try to think about the entire experience from beginning to end um, so it's very heavily service focused for my clients so it's it's a different experience than what most of them have ever had and um, it's just I love it. It's such a beautiful relationship I get to develop with them and their families, and um, and I love taking it all the way to the end, right up to installation day where they get to see their artwork on their walls, and it's it's beautiful and it's done and it's uh, it's amazing. So that is that is um, the the main business that I that I own and run, and I also do um, through that I have fallen in love with sales and sales consulting. Um, I think largely because of my perspective about it, this is not a used car salesman type of a situation. This is uh, sales as service. And so the more that I sell something to someone that, that means the more I get to serve them and, and be in relationship with them and um, give them something that to them is more valuable than their money. And so I think that that's beautiful. Um, so yeah. Okay. Wow,
0: Jamie, the serve them is, is such, that's an old perspective, but it's not one that we talk enough about. Like you hear mm-hmm. it, you've read about it, but we don't talk enough about it. And then your final comment that I'm able to give them something worth more than their money. Mm -hmm. And that is very powerful. And for somebody like me who really struggles with sales, I I need to keep that in the front of my mind. And that's really what, what this conversation about it, this conversation today is about Jamie and I Mm -hmm. of course have a couple of guiding questions, but we're going to see where this, where our, where our conversation goes. So I want to ask you first, Jamie, to talk about the difference. And You kind of led to it already. What is the difference between the service provider mindset, which I admit I fall into that very naturally, versus the expert mindset? Can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between those two perspectives?
1: Sure. I would say the most ridiculous way to think about it is say it. if you went into your doctor's office and said, um, doctor, I'm coughing. I need you to prescribe me this, 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 and this. I want you to use this. You, I want you to use this tool when you cut me open and I want you to do this. And that is treating your doctor like a service provider. Mm. You're saying, I know what my problem is. And I know what my solution is. And I'm going to tell you, but I can't do it myself or I don't want to do it myself. So I'm going to be in the driver's seat and I'm going to decide how this goes. And I'm going to be pretty controlling and have all some, and that's not always a bad thing because sometimes somebody does just need to, if you hire somebody to come help you around the house for an hour or like mommy's help or something like that, then okay, maybe you are the one that does need to guide most of what this other person does. So it's not that service providers are bad. What it is, is that people think and categorize themselves as service providers more than they should. There are more people who act like service providers than make sense to actually be service providers. And um, if you're in the service industry, it's an easy trap to fall into because You think, I'm providing the service, I'm making it available, and so I'm just going to wait for people to come to me, they're going to tell me what they want, and I'm just going to do what they tell me to, basically. Whereas we actually treat our doctors like experts, because we don't always know what's wrong with us. We definitely don't know how to fix it most (laughs) of the time. And so while it is a collaboration, and it's not like we are not a part of it at all, They are definitely mostly in the driver's seat and they are helping guide us through the process. And we are very thankful that they do that. Um, And so that is kind of the way to think about it is doctor is a person that we always think of as an expert because they are, they spend lots of time and money making themselves an expert, something that we typically don't know very much about. And so we're used to being in that dynamic, um, but we don't always see ourselves as such in our own fields. And so that I would say is the most, is the easiest way to kind of visualize the differences that we're talking about.
0: And I love love that analogy because you're right. That's a dynamic that we're all very accustomed to. We can talk about that pretty quickly, what it's like to go to the doctor. But you're also right in the fact that when we're in the service-based business, we forget a lot of times that we are the expert in our niche. So Jamie and I really want this to be a tangible concept, an episode that you can walk away from go, okay, I, I totally get what she's talking about and how I have priced myself per hour versus as an expert. And so I asked Jamie, I said, can you give us an example? And of course, She's going to start with an example of photography because it's something that she knows, but it's also something that is um, a creative service that we're all familiar with. And there's photographers that listen and, and as business owners, we use a lot of photography and photographers. So talk to us for a second about Mm -hmm. how photographers can look at themselves, not as a service provider, but as an expert and what type of language and, and packaging, what is that? What, what is that for a photographer?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to give two extreme examples of what it might look like if you were to try to hire a photographer that has more of a service-based mindset or a service provider mindset versus an expert mindset. And then I'm going to talk about something specific in the photography industry and how that kind of plays out. So <clears throat> if you were to reach out to two different photographers. The service, the extreme version of a service provider photographer would almost be like, uh, this is going to sound extreme. Most of them That's aren't right. like this, but I want it to be extreme to hit, hit the point. Huh? So an extreme version would be the photographer would say, yes, I'm available. I will. When do you want me to show up? Where do you want to do it? What are you like you pick out what you're gonna wear, you get yourselves entirely ready. You tell me how you want to be posed. You tell me what kind of lighting you would like. Why don't you bring your own camera? I'll even use your own camera <laughs> and then I'll just give you the, the images and you edit them and, or you tell me how you want me to edit them. Uh, you can have them edited or not edited or, you know, when you get to the session, okay, what do you want to do next? Do you want to go over here? Do you want to go down here? Do you want to stand like this or sit like this? And you can kind of see the dynamic is almost all the decisions are on the client and the service provider is, here's the tricky thing. Most of the time it's completely wholesome in its motivation. It's meant to be accommodating and considerate and, you know, really wanting to to be to mold your service to the exact person that that is hiring you. So it usually comes from a good place, but if you've ever been on the receiving side of that, you know that, that it's not really doing you any favors because you're hiring somebody else, a professional, because you don't wanna make all those decisions and you might not even know how to make those decisions. And, um, and so what is meant to be considerate is actually quite a burden to the client. And, you know, it, it would be like saying, Hey, artist, I want you to make me a custom painting. Okay. What do you want me to paint it on? What kind of paints do you want? What about the brushes? Should I use good brushes, medium brushes, bad brushes, big brushes, small brushes? I mean, it's, you're like, I don't know, because I'm not an artist, which is why I'm not painting it myself, you know? (laughs) And, and so that's kind of the extreme version in the photography world. But then if you were to hire somebody who thinks more like an expert, you would, the conversation would look a little bit more like, okay, what are you looking for? There would be a little bit of a conversation enough that then they could say, okay, great. You want a newborn session. Well, we do newborn sessions at. This time on these days, it takes this much time. This is what I need from you. This is what we'll be providing. When you get there, I'm going to take control and I'm going to tell you, you know, where to stand, how to look, what to be dressed in, all those things. There's going to be so much more on me as the expert um, than on you. And there is a huge spectrum of that. Um, And, and that doesn't mean that as an expert, you're super controlling and you don't give them any input or anything like that, but you get what, you know, you need to have to get an idea of what's important to them, what their priorities are. And then you, as the expert, you take the reins to make it happen because if they knew how to make it happen, they would probably do it themselves. Great point. So (laughs) that's the difference. Um, A very specific example of this, this kind of goes into the, the kind of the idea of being value priced versus um, hourly priced is, which usually those things go hand in hand. Service providers tend to say, I'm going to trade X amount of time for X amount of dollars. And that's the main, that's the main trade an exchange, and that's what everything hinges on, is time for money, time for money, time for money. Um, With an expert, you might have some, some, I mean, because there's a huge spectrum. So there might be an element of that, and time has to be considered because it's a real variable in the the equation. But it doesn't hinge on that. It hinges on the value of what you're providing. That's what's being traded. And so a great example of this is mini sessions, okay? I'm sure most people, even if you're not a photographer, you've heard of mini sessions and you have an idea of what they are. Just for, um, just as an example, let's say a photographer's normal session lasts two hours and they're gonna provide mini sessions for 20 minutes. Well, if you have a service provider mentality then since the hinge point is time for money, time for money, time for money, then less time should equal less money, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So whatever you make for those two hours, you should be making a fraction of that for the 20 minutes. And it should be pretty clear, you know, you can just do some simple math and you'd figure out how much less you should be making in that time. Now, but the problem is, is that i mean i hate to i hate to believe this but they don't actually hire me because they want to hang out with me <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking jamie i, mean, I mean,
0: but I've, I've heard, heard you a say that before and you're you're right i've heard you say that before and i want you to say that one more time because i want us i want us to hear that because so many of us do get hung up on the time for money so say yeah. that again People don't
1: hire us. (laughs) People do not hire you to hang out with you. I mean, I guess there is a situation where that might be the case, but that is not usually how it works. They're hiring you for another reason and they have to spend time with you to get that other thing. And so it doesn't make much sense to have that hinge point be based on your time with them, especially because that's not what they're after. That's not why they're coming to you. They're not saying I want to spend two hours with Jamie. So I will pay, I'm just going to use a random amount, $200 to spend two hours with Jamie. And then since I actually only want to spend a half hour, that means I should only spend $50 because I'm getting a quarter of what I would have gotten Mm -hmm. of time with Jamie. (laughs) Well, Yeah, I guess if if you were paying me to hang out with you, that would make sense. But the thing is, they're not paying to hang out with me. They are paying me to create a family portrait for them, let's say. That's what they're coming for, a family portrait. Well, let me ask you this as a mother. Okay. If I could get you a beautiful family portrait you come to me because you want one beautiful family image over your fireplace. And I give you two options. Do you want that to take two hours or do you want that to take 20 minutes? Which would you choose?
0: You already know the answer to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have your own fun. 20, yes. 20, 20 minutes. minutes. And if I you can. could do it
1: in five, even better. <laughs> right. So all that to say that proves that you are not actually willing to you probably are not willing to pay more money to spend more time with me. In fact, you might be willing to pay more money to spend less time with me, um, depending on how well-behaved your children are. So, So that kind of, that really drives, I think the crux of the matter home. It is, if it's based on getting this end result that actually isn't super connected to time. I mean, it is tangentially, but not explicitly connected to time. And to the extent that it does connect to time, if the value of that thing actually goes up or the experience is better if the time is less, then why are we charging less money for faster sessions when really everybody would want a faster session? They wouldn't want a longer session. So why would we charge more for something they don't want? And that is the difference between having a results-oriented pricing structure and way of, of operating your business and having a service provider, you know, time for money um, focus. Because if you can get somebody the result they want in less time, that should actually be more valuable. The only reason why we as an industry have decided that many sessions should, should be less than regular sessions is because we have completely forgotten that, that, that they're not there to spend time with us. And in fact, they would love it if we could get them the same thing in less time. So I think whatever that looks like in your business, um, you know, that you're trading time for money for, the question is, are they actually coming to me for my time or are they coming to me for something else that my time gets them? Is there something more foundational to their motivation than spending time with me or even just paying me for my time? It doesn't always have to be something that they're spending with you, Mm -hmm. but it, it, I mean, that can apply in almost every, every service-based business. Um, So yeah, I think, I think the question is what are they really coming to you for and even to the extent that needing more things from you would would create the need for more time, there's still usually something else that you can tie it to, which is those results and not the time itself.
0: Okay, this that whole conversation out there was so good, Jamie, and it's I, I needed to hear that over and over again because honestly, I fall in the category of a lot of photographers, um, uh, uh, other creatives that, because I'm a writer, I'm a copywriter, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think one of the mistakes—I'm just going to put it out there—I think one of the mistakes that a lot of us make, I see in the copywriting. When my when my clients come to me and they start telling me all of this stuff, they're really hung up on the back end. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your clients don't give a crap about what you're telling me right now. They want to know in the end what's the result.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we as business owners, just like we do with our writing. Mm -hmm. We get really hung up on the time that it's taking us, and we think that the customers care about it that much. And for those of us that are really wanting to move from service based pricing to expert pricing, that means we're after clients that really want results. And that's what they, and that's how we have to portray ourselves our language, our written language, our spoken language what our website looks like, um, any sales calls that we have, we have to remember that the clients who are after the result expect for us to behave a certain way. And those that are after a service, like, did you say that it was going to take you two hours to write that? Well, then I'm only paying you two hours, mm-hmm. probably not an ideal client for me because they could just get a really good virtual assistant to do some writing for them and move on. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that's different.
1: So well, and there's, I mean, there's some other pretty inherent structural issues with hourly pricing, right? If you are getting better at your trade mm. and faster at your trade, then you're going to make less money. <laughs> I mean, and that's if, that's if you obviously keep your pricing the same, but you know, so you, you're still going to have to raise your prices if you want to stay making, If you actually want to give yourself a raise ever, but you actually get better at what you're doing, it's hard to do it hourly without having to still do that, having to still have that pain of having to raise your prices and have uncomfortable conversations. And I think sometimes that's why we choose hourly pricing is because it's like, look, I can't control it. What you asked for was this amount of money. It wasn't my decision to make it like that. It kind of takes the, the blame for the price off of you and it puts it on the time and what they're wanting and asking for. And I think that that's just kind of a cop-out sometimes like because it has these structural issues where you're going to have to do it anyways if you get better and don't want to make less money while doing it. And it's not to say that there should be no... No consideration of time and, and stuff like that. It's just that when you charge hourly, here's, there's another really interesting dynamic that happens. You're putting the risk on the client. Okay. So when you charge hourly, you're, you could, and, and you might be really good at estimating how much it's going to, mm-hmm. how much time it's going to cost you. But at the end of the day, to the extent that you're wrong, who loses? the client. They took the risk that what you said it was going to take, however, if it was going to take you five hours, they're risking that that's true. And if you're wrong, they get to pay more for you being wrong. And I think that is another really important shift when going from service provider to expert from hourly to value-based pricing is to say, well, I'm an expert. Not only should I get paid as such, but I also should take more responsibility than too. Um, that's part of why you should get paid more if you're an expert, mm-hmm. because right. you're taking more risk on. And so, um, it tends to lead to businesses that, um, don't nickel and dime as much, and they make customers more comfortable in beginning a relationship with you, because you're saying, hey, what I'm telling you this is going to cost is actually what it's going to cost. Um, And and you can still add in some wiggle room with results-based language um, and structures, But so it's not that it's rigid, it's just spoken of differently and it's looked at so differently. And even if you end up making the same amount of money from a project, doing it hourly versus um, value-based, your clients are probably going to be much happier because instead of every time you talk about hourly rates, you are talking about what they're giving up. When you, when you bring that up, you're constantly saying, remember how much you're pe- remember what you're sacrificing, remember what you're giving, remember what you're doing, all those things, you're, you're bringing it back to what they're having to give up. Whereas if, you're, if you speak about what you do in terms of the value you're providing and what they're getting, then even if you have the same exact conversation but you just change up those words, you're talking way more about what they're getting what you're giving up, what you're giving and not what they're giving. And that's just a much, it's just a much more satisfying um, dynamic for them as the ones that are sacrificing their money. And it's also really good to just be reminded of as a, as a business owner constantly remember, here's the goal, here's the goal. Um, And so I, I, I think that that's another component of this is who's taking the risk. And, um, and as an expert, if, you're, if you do actually know what you're doing, then if you're wrong with your estimation of how much time it should take you, that should be more on you than on right. them. That's an excellent point. And as
0: I was prepping for our chat today, I was poking around on your website, because I've heard you talk about this in person. Mm -hmm. And I know the language that you use when you're talking about it. And so Mm -hmm. as a copywriter, of course, I'm like, I want to see what it looks like in written text. And Jamie does use very, her language is very value based on her website. And she doesn't go about talking about what a client is giving up versus what they are going to be getting. And in fact, I I just grabbed really quickly. You said something, I think about yourself, even this, this is a great example for all of us listening right here on her about page about Jamie, it says something like Jamie is more, hang on, I think right here it says, oh no, this is just, you're talking about your business in general, but it mm-hmm. is on the about page. It says, we're so much more than photographers, we're portrait artists and family archivists. And then it says, knowing that someday these portraits will, you know, be on your walls and then she continues on. But right there as a copywriter, I leaned in on that language because you are talking about the value that you offer a family Mm
1: -hmm.
0: versus like, hey, I'm going to need you to be here, here and here and you're going to get some pictures. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's not, that is not the language that you use on your website. And so Mm -hmm. I I wanted to commend you and I, and, and (laughs) recognize that it's, that it's flowing, not just on your sales calls or in in your Mm in-person meetings, but in the written language as well too. And so Jamie just has a lot of um, just little, big little nuggets that such big pieces of value in there. I want to ask you this. This is not on something that we planned, Jamie. How did you go about getting this mindset? Is this something that is innate in you that you, you just kind of always grew up with this self mindset of, I want to serve and by serving people, that means I'm offering value. Or is this something that you trained yourself when you started your business? several years ago that you trained yourself so that you could have these value result driven conversations with your client?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I would say that it is, it is a progression of a a series of, of, of things in my life. Um, I went to school to, um, I got a psychology degree, uh, among other things, but I thought that I was going to do counseling. And so I started with a psychology degree, and I loved, loved it. Um, then I, my, I mean, life just went in a completely different direction. And um, I realized how much I loved being a business owner, and I really like sales. And I, I didn't realize that for the longest time, but, um, but I, I think it was, it's something about finding something that you just love so much that you want to give it to other people. You want other people to have it. And, and I find myself, and I know that this happens to tons of other business owners that you want that you want your thing for your clients and potential clients, even more than they do. Mm -hmm, Yes. And that's a really tough thing to manage as a business owner, because it often leads to you giving things away and, you know, going above and beyond and it not being appreciated or reciprocated or even acknowledged Mm -hmm. sometimes. And so I think, you know, it was a, it was a number of of these things that kind of happened as I started my business. Um, I from the very beginning, I always say that I started as a momtographer. I didn't, I didn't want to be another momtographer. I mean it was just such a it was such a thing to do, especially at the time. And um, and I just really respected the industry. I didn't want to just be another commodity. Kind of mm-hmm. like I just—it was just so commonplace, and there were so many of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was very sensitive to that, and um, and so I think that started me off on this path of. First, you think, okay, the trade is the only way I can separate mm-hmm. myself, but then you realize that there are like seventy other parts of owning a business besides the trade, and. And at first that was really discouraging and overwhelming. And then I think at some point it clicked that that means that there's 70 other ways to differentiate myself too, mm-hmm. besides just the photography and, um, and it, not to say that the trade is not important, right. but it's not the only, uh, it's not the only factor. And so, um, I think that that was really exciting to me because it allowed me to, start from scratch in every part of the business and say, okay, what, I'm going to have to market. So what does my marketing look like? What, how can I do that differently? How can I have different messaging? I'm gonna have a brand. How am I gonna make that different? I'm going to interact with my clients and that's a way to differentiate myself. And so there's all these different components of a business that give you the opportunity to separate yourself beyond just what you make or provide or do for them. Um, so I think that that brought up this whole idea of how am I going to speak about what I'm doing and do it differently um, than other than other photographers. And because I already felt so sensitive about being a commodity, I think I just went really far the other direction. I don't want to even play that game. I just don't even want to be a part of it. And, um, because that seemed like a race to the bottom Mm. and that wasn't, I wasn't going to be sustainable. Um, and so I think that's, I I think I saw where that led and I just, I backpedaled hard and I went ran the other direction. Um, Part, part of it's my personality. I would rather spend more time with fewer people than, and, and there's nothing right or wrong about that. No, it's just different great. personalities. There are some photographers I meet and coach that they just, they love being busy and meeting lots of new people and having lots of new clients. And that is really what feeds them. Yeah. It drives them go for it. You can have a great business doing that. This is not right or wrong. It's just, and you can still have an expert mentality in doing a more volume-based business, but, um, but yeah, so I, but I just went the complete other direction and, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So that played into it, but, um, but I think there's something much more philosophical and deep about it too. I, I believe that true love is self-sacrificial and ser- and service-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a huge part of my faith and it's, it's what founds my life. So um, I just feel like that means that success is service to others and it's not a self-focus. It's an others focused life. And so I mean, it, that has to overflow into my business. You can't separate the way that you do business from the way that you do your life. And so I think that is what, when, when those two things like, you know, started to work together, my faith and my business in terms of just how I see other people and how I spend my time, that I would say is where that whole others focused thing comes into play and if I believe that to be what is true of reality then it also should work well (laughs) the focus you know if 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 it is true that success is others focus then to the extent that I do that well I should be successful in what I'm trying to do um so I think that that was the more philosophical underpinning of of having a service-based um focus and an others' base focused in the business. And then, and then I think I just also, as a, as a person when I'm a client to other people, I learn a lot. When I'm, when I am trying to buy something from someone else mm-hmm. or have someone else serve me, it teaches me so much about what, if I can be introspective enough and objective enough mm-hmm. to feel how I'm feeling, to be aware of how I'm feeling when I'm being interacted with and sold to and served by other people, it really informs how I treat my clients. And, um, and so I've just noticed when I'm, when I'm in over my head and I'm trying to hire somebody because I don't understand or I don't know how to do it, I've been in situations where all those decisions have been put on me and that has been stressful Mm -hmm. And I've been in other situations where they've kind of asked me the appropriate questions and right.
0: figured out led you through the process. Figured out what I
1: needed, what what I was looking for, and then told me what needs to happen for me to get that. Um, and largely take the reins, you know, to that extent. So I would say it's it's just a progression of all those things.
0: It's a progression, but. I'm telling you, like uh, the hair on my arm stood up when you were talking about the, the the co- the combination, of the, the your faith, and then even how you recognize how other people are treating you. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're being sold to, because mm-hmm. that's the thing. A lot of us as business owners, and I see it all the time in copywriting. A lot of times in business owners, we do to our clients, exactly what we don't want to be, to be done to us. And it's not Mm -hmm. intentional. As Mm you've said, many times, it's it's not intentional and actually comes from a place of being nice and not wanting to be um, too blunt that this is the price. This is, are you sure? You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Christy Wright talks about the fact, she gave this great example years ago. I heard her talk and she, females especially will say something like, let's say you're a baker and they'll have a pie and they're like, it's $30 but, 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 but for you, I I mean, I could do 25. I I, I don't know, maybe, maybe even five. Heck, I'll just give it to you. And before Mm -hmm. long, we're like backing ourselves out of a sale instead of like holding this pie up proudly and saying this pie is $30 and treating it like an expert baker that you are with your shoulders back. Because the other thing is very awkward as a Mm -hmm. customer, when someone is like, backing the price down and asking, what do you think that's too much? I mean, that's the awkward, intense moment Mm -hmm. that as a customer, we don't want, we would have paid the $30. Why in the heck are you like backing yourself out of the sale? And so Mm -hmm. that's not a great example, but it is that mindset that we think we're being nice to our customers by, by having that service-based mindset when really
1: they want an expert to lead them through the lead them through. And you're also assuming that they know everything that they need to know about their options and what you can do, and that they're only asking about the thing that they want, Mm. having known all the options. And that's just not true. Um, I think of how many times I've heard, "Oh, I didn't know you could do that." <laughs> or, you know, and so that every time you hear that, realize that there were probably 5 to 10 other people that thought that and didn't say it and that what what are all those opportunities lost when they didn't know you could do that? And so It's just, it's just built on a lot of assumptions that they have done lots of homework and they know everything, you know, and, and that's a, that's a really, I mean, that's a legitimate um, psychological issue that we're dealing with in this, in this world where we think that what we do isn't that hard because it Mm -hmm. isn't that hard to us right now. And so then we devalue what we know and do, because to us, it's like, well, what do you mean? I just, I mean, anybody could really do this, you know, and, and you just, you're, you're your own worst, um, you know, worst critic in terms of devaluing what you bring to the table. But the thing is, is that I have plenty of photographers that hire me. So it's not an issue of, can you do it? I mean, sometimes you just want to be served because you don't want to do it (laughs) or you value what somebody else brings to the table. And, and so it's not always a matter of maybe you as a person only hire somebody when you absolutely cannot DIY, but that is not the case for everybody. And I think To the extent that you are um apologetic about what you do and what you charge sometimes like you're honestly usually making it harder on the person that's trying to hire you you're not really helping i mean i've been in sales situations where i basically had to walk myself through the sales process because this the sales the actual salesperson was so caught up in telling me what was cheapest. And I gave no inclination that I cared about what was cheapest. So I had to basically forcefully sell myself something. (laughs) I didn't know what it was. It was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. And this is what we do to people when we say, um, when we assume we know what their motives are. I've walked into um, a a frame shop where I said, Hey, I'm here. I need to get this framed. And they said, okay, here's our cheapest frame. Did I look, I mean, I don't think I looked like (laughs) homeless or anything. I mean, what, what happened is it was, it was it sounds like on the surface that this person was concerned about me and what I was Mm -hmm. going to be giving up and was trying to be nice And so just was trying to take as little from me as possible. Okay. You could, you could look at it. Yes. You could look at it from that perspective. Yep. I'm a salesperson. I know the truth. The truth was that she had been told this is too expensive. Yep. So many times that she was just trying to save herself from the uncomfort, from the discomfort of hearing that again. Mm -hmm. So straight off the bat self-protective, self here's the cheapest option. When she didn't give me one second to tell her what I was looking for, I was definitely not there for the cheapest frame. And I've had that happen in so many different industries that can happen in jewelry stores. It happened to me when I was picking out my mom's headstone. Yes. Yep. It happens to me so many times that you don't realize that, that is one of the most selfish things you could be doing as you are protecting yourself mm-hmm. from a no and you are not serving them to protect yourself because you know and, and so so i i think that again to the extent that you actually internalize it and walk it back and figure out what the motivation is you realize this is the exact opposite of point of having a service based or a service, a job in the service industry, having a a business where you serve others. And, um, and I'm making this about myself so much more than others. That's just, that's just not the way to success for you or for your clients. Okay. Jamie,
0: I'm just going to be real before my next sales call that I have, I will just be playing this little section of the, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I am I am that person, I, I cannot stand hearing no's. When mm-hmm. I understand that most of the time, if you hear a no, it's not personal. It's just no. not personal. Maybe it wasn't in their budget at the time. Maybe it wasn't really what they were looking for. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yet you're right. Many of us throw up the cheapest option because mm-hmm. we are protecting ourselves versus mm-hmm. serving them and making sure that they know all the options that they have to in front of them. And we think that we're that we're being the good person. You know, I'm just just trying to save money here, and um. So I, I of course jotted that down, and I'll have (laughs) I have the capabilities of of listening again to it. (laughs) I appreciate your your outlook on that. And there is a large percentage of us that sales doesn't come natural, and you're right. We assume that most people look at sales or look at it, tough conversations the way we look at them. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of customers that don't. They no. they,
1: they, they don't. They're, they're ready for it. They want to talk on it. Yeah. I mean, remember that unless you're cold calling, they have come to you first. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have initiated oftentimes this conversation. They're the ones saying, please serve me. And then you come back and say, how little can I serve you? Oh, Oh, girl. You (laughs) put the knife in just twisted right there, didn't you? (laughs) How little can I serve you? Oh. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. If you change, if you, every time you think about selling something and you think of it as serving someone instead, it changes the way that you look at it. And, and, um, I, th- I think better connects you to the truth of the dynamic here. Somebody is not, they don't want to give up their money. That's People don't just like go around trying to spend money on things they don't care about. They only try to spend their money on things that they deem are more valuable to them than their money. And so if you recognize that that's the dynamic from the beginning, then you don't have anything to be defensive of. They've said, I think that what you offer might be more valuable to me than my money. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need some more information to decide decide that for sure. But they're already saying they think that this is a possibility when they're inquiring with you. So there's no reason to, to be, um, you know, so protective about it and, and almost defensive about it. There's just no reason to be that way. And, and I do think that because especially artists or people with family owned businesses or things like that, their, their identity is so caught up in what they do that when they hear a no, or that's too expensive, that it feels like they're saying that you're not worth it, Mm -hmm. that you're saying no to you as a person. And um, that's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, it's just categorically false. But I mean, it's hard to actually like let that sink into your bones and believe it. And so I think that's just something you need other business owners to be reminding you of. Yes. But I, I, th- I also think I learned really early on that I was gonna be expensive at any price point to some <laughs> people. When I charged $50, I had people tell me, that I was too expensive. Mm-hmm. So why not raise your prices? If you're going to hear it anyways, charge what you need to charge. If you're going to have to deal with the nose anyways, charge what you need to charge. And I will tell you, I hear it less at the prices I'm at now than when I was cheaper, way less.
0: And, and that's, that's a fantastic, you're right about that. I, I've, I've seen that happen too. And it, It doesn't, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. at what point, but, but I will say, and I said this at the beginning of the podcast, you are, and it's not better or worse, but when you're charging per hour and you're charging, like you said, something like $25, $50, that is often a different level of business. Maybe these, maybe these people are just starting out since we're speaking to business owners and they, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them serve other businesses. Mm-hmm. or maybe they start maybe they are maybe they are b2c and they're serving clients but that is a different clientele they're they're just starting out or they've just gotten a job or whatever versus someone who really comes to you and by at some point maybe they're older maybe they have more money maybe they've hired somebody per hour and they're ready for an expert mm-hmm. it is a different it, it is a different clientele or maybe the, the amount of money that they're willing to spend because they they know what it's like to pay per hour Mm -hmm. versus to pay for an expert. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's a challenge that, that you have given me in all our conversations is to, and I hope that people are listening is to start thinking of ourselves as the expert, because we've worked really hard to get where we're at and, and we're willing to serve and, and, and do well by people. And that, you're honestly taking off some of the confusion and the awkward moments mm-hmm. you see yourself as an expert versus backing yourself out of a sale and throwing up the cheapest frame. <laughs> the yeah. First, the
1: first time. <laughs> and I, and you know, not every business is a luxury business. So, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I think it's usually, you know, the more luxury you get in your, or high end you get in your industry, the more that these, hangups start to be the case, because the more you're voluming, and I would say even more commodity based where, I mean, sometimes price is just what it is. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not as much of an issue. And you're just, you're pricing yourself based on your competitors, or you're pricing yourself based on like this time for money thing. Um, but as you start to try to walk away from that a little bit, that's when you start to get into these, You start to run into your own money hurdles Mm -hmm. and hangups. And, um, and you also start to realize that, that, um, that in some sense, it's not like people, I don't just, it's not like anybody that needs a photographer can or should hire me. And so you really do have to move away from that, that idea of, um, oh, you need a photographer. It could be me to, should it be me? And, and I think that that comes with a more focused view of what you are and what you do. And to the extent that that is more specific and results oriented, the better you'll be able to determine who actually would be a good fit to be your client and who wouldn't be. Um, and so, so oftentimes it, really tends to be about um, knowing knowing your place in the market that you're in, in the, in the industry that you're in. And as you start to work up towards being more of an expert and potentially even being more of a high service or high-end luxury brand, um, then you realize that um, you're you are going after Or you're going to be, um, people who have different priorities are going to be drawn to you Mm -hmm. differently. And so if somebody is mainly cost motivated, which there are people that are mainly cost motivated, they can't tell the difference between a terrible image and a okay image and an amazing image, they, or they don't care. It's not that important to them. Um, they can use their iPhone or they can go to, you know, JCPenney or Sears or whatever, like there are places for them. I don't need to be that to them. Right. I don't feel the need to serve them, not because they're not worth serving, but because there are other people who can serve them better. Um, if, but the way that I look at it in my business is I want to serve the, um, another part of the market. Let's say that you have been, um, you've been trying to get pregnant for five years and you've miscarried and you've gone through so many IVF cycles and all you've ever wanted to do since you were six years old is be a mom and you finally have a baby. Do you want to get the cheapest newborn photography that you can find? I mean, is that maybe you do care about pricing in other parts of your life, but for something that's this important to you, would you rather spend more or would you rather spend less? And for a lot of people, the, qu- the answer is, I would actually rather spend more because this is so important to me and I want to know that I am getting the best. And so it's just a faulty assumption to think everybody is going to choose the cheaper option mm-hmm. all the time. That might be the case. Sometimes it might even be the case most of the time, but you don't need most of the people in the world mm-hmm. to hire you. Yeah. You <laughs> really don't you know another problem. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's okay to serve a certain type of person with a certain type of motivation and not serve all the other people. That is okay. You can't do that anyways. No. So, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, all of that is just often tied together and all rolled into one big jumble that um, gets hard to tease out sometimes, but, but they usually, you know um, it's like a domino effect. I think once you start making certain decisions in your business, other ones naturally follow and you start putting things together that, that make yeah. sense together.
0: No. Yeah. And that, that's true. And, and I, I can't speak for you, but because I, you, you started business differently than I did, but a lot of us start off with, um, with, okay, I'm just going to get experience. And so you just get mm-hmm. experience. And, and from that domino effect, what you talked about from that progression, you really do start honing in on what it is. I'm really good at what it is. Mm-hmm. that really brings me joy. And from Mm -hmm. there, I would say that as business owners, we can really then start formulating. This is what I'm an expert in. I really Mm -hmm. can offer people a lot of value and results here. Mm -hmm. But for some of us, it really took some years and some projects and uh, situations for us to go, okay, not that's That is not me. You know, I can say I'm not going to do that again. And, um, and and then you get really good at realizing where your expertise really lies. Okay, Jamie, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation on sales and service. I loved your mindset and I'm just trying to like, just stop it all up for a lack of a better Southern term There, I'm just trying to sop it all up and I've got, I've got my notes. So I want you to tell the listeners where they can find out more about you.
1: Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been amazing talking with you. You're such an encourager <laughs> of me. And I really appreciate that. Um, I do sales consulting. My website is jamieclaus.com, J A M I E C L A U S -S S.com. And um, so I work with local businesses in the Huntsville and Madison area. And um, I like working with businesses that they're kind of doing their thing, they're moving along, they're doing fine, they've got a good base of clients, but they, maybe don't even realize what they're leaving on the table, what, how they could be serving their clients at another level. And, um, and I really love that because to me, it just, it takes something that's already good, that has, has so much value in the market. And it, it takes it to another level and it, it gives business owners more freedom, the ability to grow as they need, add, add staff, add help, free up their time. That's really where you go from having a built a job for yourself Mm -hmm. to having built a business. And so that's what I love is being a part of that transition and, um, and helping with the sales and service strategy that that can help make that, that leap to something that is really life changing and life giving for a business owner. Well, I would tell any listener
0: that feels like you fall in that category, definitely head to Jamie's site. Uh, She is one powerful gal, (laughs) super sweet and just full of so much knowledge. And I appreciate you, Jamie. Um, I'm very thankful to be in a mastermind with you and learning from you every month. So
1: I appreciate your time today. I hope you have have a wonderful afternoon. (laughs) You too. Thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
0: Okay. It's me, Rachel, again. I told you this episode was so good. I needed it desperately. I come from a family of non-salespeople. We were the family that we just bought the minimum of, order of Girl Scout cookies. If my mom said, okay, how many Girl Scout cookies are you supposed to sell this year? And I say something like 10. She said, okay, I'm going to write a check for those 10 Girl Scout cookie boxes. So my parents are two of the best people in this whole wide world. I love them dearly and they prepared me so well to be an adult, but they did not prepare me for sales calls. So this conversation is vital to me as a businesswoman and it may be vital to you you know that I like to end each episode with two or three things that I wanna remember. Number one, I wanna remember that paying myself like an hourly employee in in my business as a copywriter, many of you are creatives or you're in the service-based industry. That's actually a disservice to our clients. That's putting a lot of risk on them. They are coming to us because they're needing our help. They view us as an expert But we, in fact, push back and go, oh, I don't know. Um, It looks like it might take me three to four hours. I don't know. I work at about $50 an hour or $100 an hour. So why don't you go in and we're we're just going to do this for four hours. Well, then fast forward and we don't get finished in four hours. And now they're mad and upset because we want to be paid more. When had we behaved as an expert in the beginning, led the conversation and said oh based off of what we talked about it sounds like you need this this and this these are this is the value that I can give to you if we talk to them as an expert that's really what they're looking for Jamie made a great point that our our meek and mildness our willingness to put an hourly rate on ourselves we think that comes from a kind heart when a lot of times it causes more confusion and frustration on our clients. I had never thought about it from that standpoint. So definitely something I'm walking away from. Number two, key takeaway number two. If we want to view our stop viewing ourselves as an hourly employee inside of our business, then we have to start looking at a results-oriented or value-based pricing. That, once again, puts the responsibility on us as the owner, as the expert. Now, I know you may be thinking because I'm thinking the same thing, but how do I go about doing this? So here's two or three things that I thought up after I got through talking to Jamie. Number one, we've got to look around our niche and notice how others are talking about themselves. I bet that you are going to be able to tell a difference between those business owners that view themselves as an hourly employee inside their business versus the ones that see them as an expert blank. So look around your niche, start noticing how others are talking about themselves. And then that leads me to number two, please don't copy. Let me say that one more time. Do not copy their things, but adopt some of their language or notice how they talk about their products that's very powerful or talk about their services because then that's going to help you see what results-oriented or value-based looks like inside of your niche. And then that leads to number three, start your conversations whether it's in person, over Zoom, or in written form through your HoneyBook through any CRM or email or text or direct message, whatever, whatever written form. Start your conversations with the results or value that you're offering your clients. And then you go further into the conversation. Do you worry about those details? A lot of times as business owners, I see this in copywriting all the time. We start with those details. We start with how many hours it's going to take us, how much money we spend on the materials. And I'm just going to be honest, our customers don't care. What they care about are the results. So that's what we have to start our conversations with. Okay, key takeaway number three. At any price point, you are going to be too expensive. I love the fact that Jamie brought that up. It didn't matter where she started. She was just too expensive. And I know you have probably experienced that yourself. All of that to say, set your prices as an expert. And then we have to quit protecting ourselves from the no. No. I'm telling you, when Jamie said that, I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. That's exactly what I do. I can't stand hearing no. And so therefore I back myself into a corner and I don't serve my customer or that potential customer well. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it and publishing it for you. If You have not gotten very serious about your ideal client. I'm telling you people, it affects everything. It definitely affects your pricing and the language that you use when you sit down and talk to your potential customers. If you haven't gotten serious about your ideal customer, knowing him or her, what his or her daily struggles are, big accomplishment, their objections to buying from you, if you don't know those things, get serious in 2021, head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses. And there you will find creating an ideal customer story. That course is all about digging deep and understanding your ideal customer and then writing a story about that person, bringing that person to life. It is simply an introductory course to get you started so that when it's time to sit down to write to him or her or to get on that Zoom call, you can imagine what it is that person wants or needs from you. What value, what result can you offer that customer? Once again, head to my site, inspiretoengage.com forward slash online courses, and you will find it creating an ideal customer story. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You know, as a business owner, those are powerful things. Okay. I will talk to you in two weeks. Have a wonderful day.